Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel 26, we're continuing, of course, our study of 1 Samuel, and we're looking at the lives of David and Saul, and we're seeing, of course, history of the nation of Israel and, and through the events of these first two kings. And when you think about it, there's David and Saul. David, a man after God's own heart. Saul, he's, he's faithful, and David... Uh, and then Saul, of course, a man after the flesh, he's a failure, and he is. Uh, David, uh, Saul was the first king of Israel, and God anointed him, and then he moved away from God, quit doing the things, and God rejected him, and he has chosen David to be the next king. Saul is still in the position of being the king. David has been anointed. David's running because Saul's planning to kill him, and uh, David was anointed at probably around age 15. And uh, he becomes king at age 30, so it's about 15 years from the time he's anointed till the time he becomes king, and Saul is trying everything he can to kill him. That's the plan. David has done great. Saul is jealous. Saul knows that David's going to be the next king. We'll see it again, even this morning's passage. And yet he wants to kill David so he can keep going. David is in the southern part of Israel right now, and near the, the what they call the Negev, and he's in a place where the Ziphites live. He has 600 men with him. These are men that, that uh, heard about David. They, they find David. They want to be with him. Uh, they think David is great. They're going to ultimately be called his mighty men. And as we look at David and we say, well, you know, David is, I mean, he's just amazing. And, but in these next two chapters, and I want you to see this, as we look this morning at chapter 26, David stands strong, he does great, and he leaves vengeance to the Lord, to the God. But in chapter 27, and we're going to see that next week, David falls. And what do we mean by that? We're going to see that some of the things that David does are questionable. And we're going to look at it and we're going to say, is David, is that David? And is David doing right? And that, that could be the really question, is David doing right? And we're going to see what he does. It's um, pretty, pretty tough. Now, this morning's passage is amazing. And as we look at it, we'll see what David does and how David trusts God. Let me give you uh, just sort of some things to think about. David's on the run from Saul, living in the Negev, in the land. He's near the land of the Philistines. And then we see that he does what is right. We also see the truth concerning rewards. We're going to talk about that because David actually talks about it in the passage. We're going to talk about rewards when we stand before our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then, once again, that has been coming up over and over as we study this, is vengeance belongs to the Lord. So we're going to see how that fits together. Let me give you a verse that is so great. That is 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive compensation, be recompensed, is what my translation that I memorized says, that for his deeds done through the body in accordance which he's done with the good or bad. The word bad there means worthless. What this is saying that every believer is going to appear before Jesus Christ. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. When you see the word judgment, it's actually the Greek word bima, which is a reward stand. And so he actually says each one of us will appear before the rewarding seat of Christ so that each one may receive compensation, may be given back for the things we've done, the deeds we've done in this body in accordance with what we've done, whether it's good or bad, good or worthless. That means every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as Savior, and I hope that's every one of you, you will stand before Jesus Christ, and you will be rewarded for the things that you have done. So when we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, it's not a bad time. It's not a time in which he's going to bring up our sins because our sins have already been placed on Christ. It's going to be a time in which he will talk about how we lived, what we did, and what we want to hear him say is, well done, good and faithful servant. And so there's going to be a time that we will be rewarded. And, and the truth is this, if you've done anything in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God, Jesus actually said, listen, even a coal 
cup of water. You're going to be rewarded for that. So we, we, the goal is that we want to live in such a way that we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. One of the things we have to remember is this has nothing to do with salvation. Our eternal destiny comes by faith alone in Christ alone. We're saved and saved forever by faith in Christ. This comes, this whole idea of being rewarded, our rewards come by faithfulness, by us living righteously and godly, our service for Jesus Christ. And so as believers in Christ, we want to live in such a way that he'll say, well done. This morning, as we look at this passage, David is going to do good again. He's going to leave vengeance to the Lord. And we're going to see it, in fact, He says this, that God will reward David as he trusts God and does not seek to get vengeance on Saul. So we're going to see what David actually says about that. So as we look at this morning's passage, David is on the run from Saul. And let me me kind of give you the the outline of the the passage, just really brief outline. The Ziphites, there's a little area called Ziph, and so these people are called Ziphites, and they turn on David. And we'll see this is not the first time they've done this. And then David goes to Saul's camp. Now, this is kind of a wild thing because Saul's army has come, 3,000 people, and they're all, they set up camp, and David sneaks into the camp. And we go, what in the world are you doing? Anyway, we'll see that, and then we'll see David's message to Saul, and we'll see what happens there. So there, there's a, a lot to see. Now, as we begin this, I want to remind you of something that we talked about last week, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. says, take heed lest you think you stand, you fall. Be real careful, because we looked at David, and David said, I will not get vengeance on Saul. And then last week, there was that man named Nabal who did David wrong, and David decided he was going to go kill him and every man there. He was going to get vengeance. And God used the wise woman, Abigail, to stop David from doing wrong. And so one of the things we got to remember is take heed lest we think we stand, we fall. Sometimes you would say, well, I'll never do that. Listen, be careful. We're capable of any sin. We're capable of doing anything. And you put us in the wrong place at the wrong time, we may do the wrong thing. So don't say, I will never do that. Just remember, take heed lest you take your stand, you fall. David just about blew it last week, right? We saw it. But God used Abigail to stop him. And we'll see what happens as we look at our passage this morning. In fact, that's, that's the key. Uh, we see David over and over again did not take vengeance on Saul. And that's, that's kind of the key. And I think the, the idea of vengeance belongs to God, not man. Never return evil with evil, return evil with good. We know that the natural response when somebody hurts us, when somebody does us wrong, and sometimes people do you wrong on purpose, on purpose. When they do that, the natural inclination is that I'm going to get them back or, or something. And, and we know the supernatural way is not to get them back, is to leave vengeance to God, not to us. And the second hard part is we never return evil with evil. If they did us wrong, we don't do them wrong back. In fact, it actually says return evil with good. I think that's probably one of the hardest things we'll do. Most of the time when somebody hurts us, even if we say I'm not going to get them back, what we do to say is, but I'm not going to have anything to do with them. This says never return evil with evil, but return evil with good. That means we do good to people, even the ones that do us bad. So we'll see it as we go through this passage. There's a lot, lot there. Okay, David's hiding out, running from Saul. This has been going on for years. David was anointed as king at age 15. The Bible tells us that he became the king of Israel at age 30. 
So it's 15 years in there. So from the time we saw David anointed until he becomes king is 15 years. Some of these last five, six, seven years, he's been on the run from Saul, and Saul's been trying to kill him. Saul knows that David's going to be the next king, but he, but he wants to kill him anyway, and he wants to do his own thing. So let's see what happens. Look at chapter 26. Look at verse 1. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is, is David not hiding on the hill of Hekalah, which is before Jessamon? I mean, these people, they, they're called the Ziphites. They actually come and sent word to Saul and said, we know where David is. David's hiding down here. He's near Jessamon. He's on the hill there at Hekalah. Uh, that's, that's him. You can come get him. This is not the first time, if you remember back in chapter 23, the Ziphites found that David was hiding. They sent word to Saul and said, he's down here. We'll try to hold him for you if you want to come get him. So for some reason, the Ziphites have not been friends with David. We're not sure. David, I mean, I think the Ziphites think we need to stay on the good side of the king, and the king is Saul. And David's going to be the next king, and so we're going to see what happens. So anyway, they, they, uh, they, they sent word to Saul and said, he's here. So look what happened. So Saul arose and went to the wilderness of Ziph, having with him three 1,000 chosen men of Israel to search for David in the wilderness of Ziph. So he's coming with 3,000 guys, 3,000 men. Now remember, David has 600, and his are called the mighty men. They're going to be the great warriors. And let me just tell you something, what I think. I'd rather have David and 600 than Saul and 3,000, because David is a warrior, and, he, and he's living for God, and Saul is not a warrior and he's not living for God. So let's see what happens. So Saul arose, arose, verse 2, So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having with him 3,000 chosen men of Israel to search for David in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul camped in the hill of Hakalah, which is before Jessamon, beside the road, and David was staying in the wilderness. And when he saw Saul come after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies, and he knew that Saul was definitely coming. Well, Saul's coming. Now, let me just stop for a second. The last time that David met with Saul, Saul said, you are righteous, I am wrong, you've done right, I've done wrong, you'll be the next king of Israel, and come back home, and David didn't go back home, but the truth is this, he actually said, I won't bother you anymore, he's coming to kill him right now. Saul is a liar, Saul is not a man of character. Saul wants to kill David, and so he sends, you know, some people down there, and David sent out spies, and he found out that he's definitely coming. Now look at verse 5. David arose and came to the place where Saul had camped, and David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner was the son of Ner, the commander of the army. Saul was lying in a circle of the camp, and the people were camped around him. Now let me remind you of something, that here's what they did in those days. They, they, he's got 3,000 men with him, so they set up camp. So Saul is the king. He gets right in the middle of the camp, and right beside him is a man named Abner, who is the general for Saul, who's the leading fighter, basically, for Israel. Around them, in a giant circle is 3,000 men, so with the king in the middle. And the reason they did that is if somebody was going to try to kill somebody, they'd have to go through all these men to get to Saul. Saul's the king, and so they're protecting him. So David looks out, and he sees this. We in verse 5. David arose, and he came to the place where Saul had camped. And David saw the place where Saul lay. Now, they're, it's nighttime now. They're laying down. And Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of the army. Now, Abner, let me just tell you, Abner is, is the general. 
He's the, wait a minute, let me go past this. Abner is the general. He's the right-hand man of Saul. And let me, let me tell you, when you study the Bible, Abner's a good man. In fact, we really like Abner. In fact, something bad is going to happen to him by the time we get through with all this, and it kind of makes you sad. So Abner is a general, and he's supposed to be protecting Saul and leading the camp. And it says Saul was lying in the circle of the camp, and the people were camped about him. And so here it is. They're, they're all around him, and it's nighttime. And so David has looked out, and he says, there's their camp. And he sees Saul in the middle. He, know, he knows what's going on. They're kind of up on a high place looking down. So watch what happens. So David, then verse 6, Then David said to Abimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Jehorah, Joab's brother, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? Now let's stop for a second. Go down? What do you mean? You, you're going to go into the camp? I mean, there's 3,000 men there. You're going to sneak into the camp? Every time I read this, I want to whisper, Yeah, we're going to go into the camp. You know, I, I don't know why, but you know, you're thinking, How are we going to get in there? How are we going to get out? We're going to sneak into the camp? And here's my other question is, Why are we going? And what are we going to do when we get there? So David doesn't explain anything. He just says, Who will go with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So Abishai said yes. Now who is, who is this, by the way? Okay, David has a sister. Her name is Zerurah. And she had three sons. One is Joab, one is Abishai, the other is Ashiel. So this is da- these three men are David's nephews. He has a sister, and that's her three sons. We're going to find that Joab is an amazing fighter. We're going to find that Abishai is a, oh, he's a great warrior too. We're going to look at Ashiel. We're only going to see him for a while. Ashiel was known as the fastest runner. They, in fact, they said he could, he could run like a lion. He could run like a, a cheetah. He could just, he was so fast, he ends up getting killed. I hated to tell you that, but he's going to die. But anyway, he's such a, he's a great one as well. So this is David's sister's son. So they're his nephews. And so he's talking to them, and he's talking to one guy by the, who's a Hittite and to Abishai, and he said, who would like to go down with me to see Saul in the camp? And Abishai says, I'll go down with you. And, and you, my question might be, why are they going? What's the plan? You know, the last time David was really with Saul, that was in the cave when Saul snuck up in the cave to use the bathroom, and David was already in there, and he went up and he cut off the end of his robe. And then when Saul came out from using the bathroom, David comes up and says, look what I have. I could have killed you as part of his cloak. And, And Saul looked around and said, somebody tore my cloak. And so he knows he could have been killed by David then. Watch what happens this time. Is is David going to kill Saul? Why is David going into the camp? Well, look what happens. Verse 7. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground at his head, and Abner and the people were lying around him. Now picture this. Here's the king laying there, and at his head is a spear stuck in the ground like this, so that if something happened, he could reach back and grab his spear. We're going to also find out that there's a jug of water there. And you might say, why is there a water? And why 
Do we care? Well, they're in the wilderness. They're almost in a desert-type area, so water is needed. So we're going to find that he has a spear and a jug of water right beside him. So it says, So David and Abishak came to the people by night. This is verse 7. And behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground at his head, and Abner and the people were lying around him. So they're all around him. They get in there. Can you see this? I mean, I picture them going, and they're stepping by people as they go in because there's soldiers everywhere. And they get to the very center of the camp, and there he is. Now, Abishai is with David. Abishai is young, okay, because he's David's nephew. And look what he says. Verse 8, Then Abishai said to David, Today... God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Now, therefore, please let me strike him with the spear to the ground. With one stroke, I will not strike him a second time. He says, listen, this is it. He says, this is it. I I could kill him right here. It'd be over. I wouldn't have to do it but once. I wouldn't have to hit twice. He'd be dead right now. Your enemy would be dead. This is what we want. In fact, God has set this up. God has set this up. That's what he says. He says, this is what God has planned, looks like to me. He says, uh, today God has delivered your enemy into your hand. And so when we look at this, he's saying, God set this up. He's allowed us to be here. I'll kill him. It'll only take one stroke. David has the opportunity to stop Saul, to kill him, and to get revenge. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Who's dealing with Saul? David? God. We saw earlier that David said, it's God who deals with Saul, not me. We've already seen that he's done the right thing. If you remember last week when Abigail came and David was going to go kill Nabal and Abigail stopped him and it wasn't very long after that, that when Abigail went back and she told Nabal what happened, it said his heart became like stone. He had a stroke. Ten days later he died. David saw God take vengeance for him. So David's learned a lesson. So what's he going to do here? Abishai says, this is our chance. Let's kill him. Verse 9. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt? He said, we can't kill him. We can't touch the Lord's anointed. See, the natural reaction is to get him. But the supernatural reaction is vengeance belongs to the Lord. In your life, there are going to be people who hurt you. Sometimes people hurt you and they didn't even know they hurt you. And you can say, well, they didn't really know. Sometimes people hurt you and they did it on purpose. They hurt you on purpose. They planned to hurt you on purpose. And your response then is, that's not right. And they should not get away with this. And I'm probably going to get them. And God says, don't get them. I'll take care of it. Vengeance belongs to me, not to you. Return evil with what? Good, not evil. So David has the chance to kill him. And he says, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. Realize David is doing what's right. And, and, and here's the truth. The truth is this. We've got to rest in God's perfect time. David is actually saying, it's not time. If it's time, I'd be king already. And he'd be gone. And see, sometimes in our life, we say, God, why don't, why don't you do something? Why isn't it? it it's like it, we, we trust God, but we say, God, it's going too slow. See, sometimes we think God's too slow. We never hardly think he's too fast. We always say, well, I don't know why that's not happened yet. We think God's off. And God says, I'm not off. 
I'm never off. I'm just right. I'm perfect. My timing is exactly right, and you have to trust me. And sometimes in our life, we want something, and we want it right now, and we think we should have it, and we think that's the best way it should go. And sometimes we say, Lord, what are you doing? Why don't you make this happen? And God could say, just wait. Trust me. It'll be in my time. And that's what David is doing. Look what he says in verse 10. But David said, as the Lord lives, surely the Lord will strike him, or his day will come that he dies, or he'll go down to, into battle and perish. Now, David says, listen, it's going to happen to him. One day, God's going to get him. Just like he got uh, Nabal, maybe God may get him, or he just may go old, just get sick and die, because that happens sometimes. Or he may go off into battle and never come back. They may kill him. So I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to leave it to God, whether God will do it, or he'll die a natural death, or he'll die in the battle. I have to trust God, and that's what we have to do. So look at verse 11. The Lord says, the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Now let's do this though. Please take the spear that is at his head and the jug of water and let's go. So David took the spear and the jug of water beside Saul's head and they went away, but nobody, nobody saw it or knew it. Or did anybody awake, for they were all asleep. Now I'm gonna stop because I'm gonna read the last part of that verse in just a second. So what do they get? They get... The, the spear and the jug of water. Why is that so important? Well, the spear represents the power. He's the king. That's his spear. That means this is the most important one. So they took that, and then the jug of water, that represents life because where they are, if you don't have water, you die. And so he's taken the two most important things that Saul would have, which is his spear, which shows his power, and the water jug, which basically is life. But look at the last part of verse 12 again. It says, it says, so David took the spear and all that. And then at the very end, it says, nobody woke, for they were all asleep. Why? Because a sound sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Listen, God kept them asleep. You could say, they snuck into that camp and all those soldiers and not one of them awoke. And what about the guards? Didn't they have some guards around the camp? How come none of those people saw David and Abishai? It's because God put a sleep on every one of them. And see, sometimes God protects us and we don't even know it. If you'd have said to David, David, are you going to go into the camp? He said, yeah, could you wake those guys up? He said, if I make a bunch of noise, I'm going to probably wake them up. But God says, no. No, I'm going to put them to sleep, and they're not going to wake up. And they're not going to wake up until it's time for them to wake up. There are times in your life that God has protected you, and you don't even know it. We don't even know what he's doing. There are times we do things, go places, and we don't even know it, but he's there protecting us. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? And so just like this, David may think, boy, we did real good sneaking in and out. And God says, you didn't do that good. I just kept them all asleep because God is protecting David. Now, David wants Saul to know what's happened. So look what happens in verse 13. Then David crossed over to the other side and he stood on top of the mountain at a distance with a large area in between them. So he stood up and he's looking out. And David called to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner replied, who are you who calls to the king? So he wakes him up. He wakes him up in the night, and he calls out, and he calls out to Abner. Now, why Abner? Because Abner's the general, because Abner's the bodyguard. Abner's the one who's supposed to protect the king. And so what does David say? So David said to Abner, verse 15, are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? 
Why have you not guarded your Lord the king? For one of the people came to destroy the king your Lord. This is a good thing that's done. The thing that you've done is not good. As the Lord lives, you must surely die because you did not guard your Lord, the Lord's anointed. You could, uh, I think David is wanting them to realize that life was uncertain. He could have killed them all. And Abner's sitting there going, what do you mean I didn't guard the king? He's right here with me. What do you mean I hadn't guarded the king? Watch. And now, at the end of verse 16, and now see the king's fear that is in, and the jug of water that was at his head. David says, look, whose spear is this? Whose jug of water is this? And you can see them going, where is my spear? Who? And all of a sudden they realized that David was in the camp and got their stuff. That he could have killed them anytime. Saul recognized David's voice. This is, this is so amazing because David wanted them to realize, I, I could have killed you. And, and they realized that David had been in their camp right by them, close enough to kill. So what does Saul say? Then Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord the king. Now I want you to see two things. One, Saul calls David his son. You, you think that's good? He's not his son. In fact, Saul doesn't even care about his own son, which is Jonathan, and he's just saying that. But look what David does. And David said, it is my voice, my lord, the king. David always showed respect to King Saul, always. Even when he was trying to kill him, always showed respect. And what, what's happening here is they're realizing that this is the second time that David could have killed Saul. And David says this, he says, Why then is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? What evil is in my hand? He's saying, what have I done that you came after me? Now I'm going to read verse 19 all the way through and then I'll explain it. He says, now therefore, David is talking. He says, now therefore, please let my Lord the king listen to the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is men, cursed are they before the Lord, for they have driven me out today so that I might have no attachment to the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. It's a long verse. And here's what he actually says. He says, if, if you chasing me down is from God, then I will offer a sacrifice so I can be back with God. But if it's you doing it on purpose, then God is going to curse you because you've not allowed me to get to offer my sacrifices to God. He's saying, I've been on the run for how many years now? Four, five, six years? When did David get an opportunity to go see the priest and offer the sacrifices? He hasn't. And all David is saying is, if this is from God, then I offer a sacrifice and forgiveness. If it's from you, then God is going to get you. And then look at verse 20. Now do not let my blood fall to the ground away from the presence of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to search a single flea, just as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. He says, I'm nothing. I'm like the flea on a dog. I'm like a bird. You've come out to get me, and I'm not anything. Now that's not really true. David's going to be the next king of Israel, and Saul knows it. And Saul wants to kill him. So watch what happens. Verse 21. And by the way, when we read verse 21, we could say this. I've heard this before. Right? Look at verse 21. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David. Come back with me. 
for I will not harm you again. I will not. I've only tried about 1,800 times, and I will not harm you again because my life was precious in your sight. Behold, I've played the fool, yes, and I've committed a serious error, yes. He actually says, I've sinned. I've done wrong. Uh, he, he declares, I've done wrong. I, I've done wrong in coming after you. Now, he said this before. In fact, the last time he said this to David, he said, I won't come after you anymore. He's coming after him right now. He says, I have sinned, return David, my son. Let me tell you, you think David's going to go back with him? Let me ask you a question. Would you go back with Saul? You remember the last time that David was at Saul's house? What did Saul do? He picked up a spear, threw at him, and struck the wall, and David had to run away. David got to his house. They surrounded the house. David had to sneak out. Every time you turn around, Saul's been trying to kill him, and Saul now says, oh, I'm wrong. I'm so sorry. I've sinned. Uh, uh, come back home. He's not going to come back home. Will David trust Saul? He's untrustworthy. Listen, in your life, there are going to be times you run into people you're not going to trust. You realize that they're not people of character and that they don't keep their word. And so sometimes you have to just say, I might be their friend, but I'm never going to trust them because they'll do you wrong. And David's never going to trust Saul. So David replied, we'll go quickly. And David replied, behold the, king, the spear of the king. Here, let one of the young men come get it. Here's the spear. Come back and get it. And then watch what David says. David's statement, this is a key one about reaping and sowing. He said, the Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. God will repay people for their faithfulness. It's called rewards. For God, the Lord deliver you into my hand today, and I refuse to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Here's what David says. God will bless me. God will replay. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. David did what's right, and he says, God will reward me for doing right. Bible tells us 2 Corinthians 5.10, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Each person will stand before him. Romans 14, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, that's us. Every tongue will give praise to God, that's us. And each one of us, each one, will give an account of himself to God. Now, I'm going to say this quickly to make sure you understand it. When people hear that, they go, oh, my gosh, I'm going to stand before God. And he's going to say, when you were 13, you did this. When you were 27, you did this. When you were 35, you did this. And look how bad this was. And you think when you stand before God, he's going to tell about all the things you've done wrong. That's incorrect. All the things you've ever done wrong, past, present, or future, have been placed on Jesus Christ. He has paid the sin, and they're gone. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. You will never stand before God for your sins. Jesus has done it all. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When you stand before Jesus Christ, it is for rewards. And what we want to hear him say is, well done, good and faithful servant. You're going to give an account of your life, whether you live righteously and godly. has nothing to do with eternal destiny. It has to do with your service for him. Now, the Bible says you could be ashamed at his coming because you didn't serve him. And Jesus Christ is going to look at many of you and he's going to say, well done. You're so faithful. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Well done, good and faithful servant. And look, I have this prepared for you. That's what I hope and pray for you and for me. 
that when we stand before him, that's what he says. Each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. God is the one who rewards. So look what happened, and we'll go quickly. Now behold, look at what David says. Now behold, as your life was highly valued in my sight this day, so may my life be highly valued in the sight of the Lord, and he will deliver me from all distress. I want you to look at that verse carefully. David says, as your life, Saul, was valued before me today, may my life be valued not before Saul, but before God. David puts no trust in Saul. And there's some people that we do not trust. Look how Saul ends it. Then Saul said to David, Blessed are you, my son David. You will both accomplish much and surely prevail. So David went on his way and Saul went his way. Listen to this. Saul's answer, you're blessed, David. David will accomplish and prevail. You know what he's saying? You're going to be the king. You will gain the victory. Now, you know what we wish? We wish Saul would say, okay, I've been running from God. I've been doing my own thing. I've been, re- I've been rejected by God, and I'm sinning, and I'm trying to kill David. And what I know is David's going to be the next king. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm, I blew it. David's supposed to be the next king. I give myself to you. I confess my sin. You're faithful and just to forgive me. And whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I realized I'm not supposed to be the king. David is. That's what he should do. That's not what he does. What should we do when we recognize we've gone the wrong way, when we've sinned, when we've done wrong? We don't say, well, that's just the way I am. No, we say something like this. Oh, Lord, I've blown it again. I confess my sin. You are faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. Take my life and use me, Lord. I don't want to blow it again. I want to live for you, for your glory. That's what we should do. Well, Saul can't be trusted. Saul's answer, you will prevail. Let me give you some quick applications. I know time is up. Let's put our trust in God. Listen, it's not, can't put it in people. People will fail us. They always do. Uh, we'll fail other people as well, but God never fails us. We trust in him. That's what David did. That's why he said, I'm not going to try to get vengeance or any of those kind of things. And listen, even in the midst of this, God is protecting David, and he doesn't even know it. He goes into the camp and he thinks, I hope we don't wake him up. And God says, you can't wake him up. I put him in a sleep. They're not going to wake up. He just didn't know that. God, let's put our trust in God. The second, let's, put, let's leave vengeance to the Lord. Just remember this. Don't get people back. Just remember, let God deal with those who hurt us in God's way and in God's timing. Sometimes in our lives, we, it looks like they're going to get away with it. They'll never get away with it. Just remember that. What do we do with people? We trust God, and we serve people in love. That's what we do. There's one other thing I want you to see, and that is this right here. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will. And and it's going to be amazing when we stand there. And if you realize that we'll reap whatever we sow, whatever we put in, Galatians 6, 7, and have we lived? What have we done? Now, remember, this is not dealing with sin at all. Sin's never going to be brought up. Just remember that. All the things you do wrong, it's never going to be brought up because Jesus Christ has taken it away. He is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Sin is never the issue. When we stand before Jesus Christ, it's going to be our service is the issue. 
Remember, salvation is a gift by faith. It's based on the grace of God. Rewards are earned based on our works and our service.